Captain's Log, Stardate 7531.1. We have been cruising at warp 7.2 on our way to the Beta Quadrant to meet with a delegation of Vulcan and Tellarite representatives. Concurrently, we have received subspace messages of unknown origin. This episode of These Are the Voyages is brought to you by String Theory. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Jason McKinney, and uh, joining me again for um, a literary trek, uh, trekking through the pages of the cosmos, my dear friend, Lieutenant Commander David. What's going on, bro? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Night Literary. Mm. All right. Late, late, late Night Literary. I don't even know. I can't get. I can't make up a, 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 an AM station this late. Um, yeah, man. No, it, it it's going. It's going going okay. No references to getting sleepy. Okay, like we're not we're not no, going to do that. Right. <laughs> Try um, not. Yeah, let's let's not do that. Let's not do that. Yeah, we are. We're back. Um, we're riding the the late night waves. We're doing the night shift once again. Uh, we, we're going to be probably doing the night shift a lot here in the near future, but uh, hey, it is what it is. Um, we were just kind of chit-chatting uh, before we uh, we hit go and, and started having this conversation about um, voice actors and um, who we like and, and who we don't like in terms of the characters that they do, and, and uh, uh, which has to do with, of course, like the content we're going to be talking about today and um, I'm a personal fan of Robert Petkoff and his narration, and um, I think we, we might be a little divided uh, between like liking or disliking his Picard. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Robert Petkoff in general as well. He also does Star Wars books, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to be honest, there I have gotten to the point where I'm a little tired of Mark Thompson, who does a ton of Star Wars books, but sometimes he slips into some very kind of stereotypical voices and and I'm just not down with it at times. But Robert Petkoff is really good, but I I did decide that during this book and, and I, I literally just forgot the name of the other one, the, the not wharf book. I mean, you shadows have offended. Yeah. I mean, not like two (laughs) minutes ago, shadows have offended. Uh, yeah, I've just decided based upon that. I I really don't like his Picard. I, I don't, I don't know exactly why. Maybe it's just the the, the timbre of his voice. I, I just it doesn't fit. Everything else is 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 good, but I for some reason that didn't fit. And he did a, a what I would call probably the most accurate Wesley voice that I think I've ever heard. Not that I've heard a lot of like Wesley voice acting, but I thought that was pretty accurate. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, well, well. Well, we'll be talking more about. Um, I guess we'll, we'll we'll try and work in uh, some of like the the voiceover performance, the narration here a little bit later on in the discussion. Um, let's let's ignore work. I don't want to talk about work. I'm sure you don't want to talk about work. We're uh, we're working for the weekend kind of thing. So, um, what what sort of fun stuff has been going on in your world, man? Fun stuff. <laughs> 
air quotes, fun what stuff. What is fun? F is for friends who spend <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, l- last weekend, uh, my brother and, and his wife's side of the family rented a cabin, so I went there for, for a night and hung out with them. That was nice. Um, uh, I mean, this weekend, I, I'm going to go see that Eternals movie. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna see that. That I've heard it. You know, I've I've had mixed <laughs> mixed reviews from people on that. But I'm gonna go watch that, and then uh, you know, go down and watch some football with my dad on Sunday. Um, do kind of a little potlucky kind of dinner thing with him nice. and, and my brother and, and all that. So so that should that should be fun. But uh, yeah, I. I Really, aside from the normal stuff, yeah, no, nothing, nothing crazy out of the ordinary. It's just getting colder here in Ohio. It's just cold. Yeah, man. Like I know. Okay, first off, I'm I'm aware that the temperatures we had are not cold compared to Ohio and Michigan from what I used to live in. But for Texas, it was cold this week, yo. I'm just saying. I mean, most mornings we're starting off. I think in the uh, low 40s. And we might get up until up to the low to mid fifties if we're if we were lucky uh, for most of the week uh, where I where I'm at here in the Alpha Quadrant. Uh, but but yeah, like it finally got up to like what was it, sixty five, seventy today after I've been wearing my uh, my sweatshirt all day and I had to finally take it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did not get that warm. I mean, take your temperatures and just take them down by like 10 degrees Fahrenheit, mm. not Celsius. We're Americans here. Yeah, America. Uh, <laughs> America. Oh, I thought you were going to keep saying something. No, I was not. I actually thought you froze. It's like, oh no. <laughs> and none of this will exist with the power of editing magic. Oh, cool, cool. Um, so yeah, you're planning on seeing the the new Marvel movie, the Eternals movie, coming out, and yeah, I've I've heard uh, mixed reviews on that so far. Um, fortunately, I've I've somehow missed any spoilery stuff for the Eternals, which is good. Like usually, like that kind of crap is like all up in my face, like on the face space, the the twitters and the instas and the things like that. And uh, so it's been good. It's been good that I haven't seen that um, at all. Well, y- y- that's actually kind of an interesting thing you see that you that's an interesting thing that you have just said. I don't know about you, and I'm not a, I'm not a huge social media person, but I I seem to have noticed over really the past honestly the past year, a lot of the stuff that I used to see people get excited for and post about they're really not like movies or even even in like star wars world a lot of the books that have been coming out comics like people just aren't really talking about them like they used to Mm -hmm. uh i I mean before the podcast i was talking about my my now hatred for the war of the bounty hunters which is a, a kind of a crossover comic line for for star wars and marvel yeah and just being annoyed by it and feeling like it's kind of a cash grab because all I'm getting is four different POVs of the same exact event with no change. 
And the thing is, is that a lot of that was supposed to have came out along with like the higher public books. That was all supposed to come out in like 2020. And then, you know, because of you can say whatever you want <laughs> was the reason for the delay. Maybe distribution more than likely they thought that their distribution would just be low so they wanted to try and get it in more applicable time so they'd make more money. I mean, let's face it. Right. But I think that I think that a lot of these folks, uh, you know, including Marvel, including a lot of this, I think they really missed the boat because I think if all that stuff would have been released during the height of the pandemic when everybody was at home and everybody had it, I think things would be different. Right, like yeah, the you were talking about the buzz, and I'm right there with you. I think, yeah. I think the buzz could have, like, not just like I mean, you you're you're you consume Star Wars stuff like crazy, and uh, I mean the last year year and a half, I mean I've been getting into the, the Star Trek books, and like same thing, like, um, uh, what was it like Star Trek Picard Last Best Hope, the first Picard mm-hmm. book came out like that came out right, like, just as the pandemic was becoming a thing in America. Like yep. that came out, gosh, I want to say around February, uh, early March. And we know everything went nuts middle of March here in the States. Yeah. So yeah. Um, kind of a side trip. I mean, I know you're, you're a Potter fan too, but like, I mean, I can remember when like Potter releases were like the event like it was a big deal like midnight releases or you know having the package like show up in your mailbox like the next day or whatever it was I mean it was a thing and like you didn't care about watching the Simpsons you didn't care about anything else you just were glued to your book wondering what the heck is going to happen on page you know was it um 394 yeah I'm just saying you didn't care yeah I was, I was just thinking of all the '90s references that we could throw in there. You put down your Pogs and your Pokemon cards and your Game That's Boy. That's right. You know, and, and it, 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 that is as we never pre-ordered the books. We always just hoped that there would be enough at the like the local store uh, or whatever, because we had a, bo- a small bookstore in town, and then there was Walmart that at the time actually did have a real book section. Like it was an actual big book section, right? So yeah, we we just hoped that there was <laughs> there was enough, and then you know I remember my mom getting all. She wasn't very happy because it like there was only like hard hardbound copies, and at the time they're like thirty bucks or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, fine, you better read this fifty times. Like, trust me, I will. <laughs> uh, and I did. I read those a lot. Those are good books. You know, I can remember like. Um, the first four books, um, one of my friends from high school, for whatever reason, didn't want them anymore. So, like, I didn't really have, like, much of an emotional connection to the first four books. Um, like, I did, like, five, six, and seven from the Harry Potter series. And um, welcome to the Harry Potter meets Star Trek podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your Captain Wizard. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Um I mean, I remember him letting me borrow the books and like, I remember reading through, um, I think it was, I know I read through, um, uh, Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets in one day. 
I know I read through Azkaban, which was my favorite of the series in one day. Um, but I can distinctly remember getting Half-Blood Prince um, just as I was going to a Boy Scout Jamboree. Um, that would have been, what was that, 2005, I think, when Half-Blood Prince came out? That sounds right. And I got I was sitting on my cot um, on my morning off, and I got to the part with Dumbledore. And look, look, y'all, book's been out for 16 years, okay? The movie series has been out for quite a while, too. It ended, like, over 10 years ago. Yeah. Statue of Limitations on spoilers is over. I got to the part with yeah. Dumbledore, and I was like, no! And, like, people, like, literally, like, rushed over to where my, my bunk was. And they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Leave me alone. I'm fine. Oh, the, book event. There's, some, there's something to be said about the hype. Because even with movies now, you have a lot of these movies that are streamed. Because, like, Dune was streamed on HBO. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no reason to watch that at home. you got to watch that in a, in a theater. You have to. Um, well, I mean, heck, even Marvel kind of gotten, well, and Disney in general, kind of got in trouble with that, with the whole Scarlett Johansson Yeah, thing, with Black Widow. With Black yeah. Widow. And then... Um, uh, what's her name? Emma Thompson, who is Cruella, uh, Cruella Deville. She was also involved in that lawsuit too. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think she got. A, I don't know if it, I haven't heard anything. There, that might have died <laughs> a very quiet, <laughs> a very quiet Disney death. <laughs> I can't do a Mickey voice. It's like oh, you don't mess oh, you don't mess with the mouse. Hi, pal. Gorsh, that was sure a mistake. <laughs> Scarlet, you'll never work in this town again. Gorsh. <laughs> you know what I think is weird? And this is like another little going off the reservation moment, but like I just think it's weird whenever you have like whether it's like a Netflix original, it's a Disney Plus original, pick a streaming service original, something or another, and then you go, you 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 roll up into your your Wally Worlds, your Targets, and you see see it on display for you to purchase, and it, it it's just it's just weird seeing that, like Cruella, like I I rolled up into Target not too long ago, and I see I see the the movie Cruella on 4K Blu-ray. DVD, VHS, whatever format, right there for you to purchase. Yeah. Like Stranger Things, Star Trek Discovery, like the full season, mm-hmm. being able to buy it. And like, look, I get it. People don't want to buy the service and they're, they're totally okay waiting a year, year and a half for it to come out on physical media. I just think, I just think it's weird. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, I yeah, I get it. I mean, but here's the thing. I'm old enough to where, like, I still do enjoy buying, like, CDs and actual books and Blu-rays and stuff like that. I'm not, I'm not completely on the whole, let's just go digital everything. Because when that snowstorm happened last February, 
boy was I glad that we had physical copies because internet was yes, kind of shaky. The, we the survived. We will rebuild. Inch, the, the, the great quarter-inch snowstorm of Texas. Oh, shut your mouth. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we the business I work for has sites in Texas, too. And uh, I remember one time one of the guys down there uh, was like, oh, yeah, we got to close the site. And they sent a picture. And legitimately, it was just like a light dusting on there. I mean, it, 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 you could still see grass. You know, it wasn't even like... But again, infrastructure and plowing and all that, and we have that here. And, you know, we also have a northern death wish, you know. Well, if you're still able to, like, move, you got to come into work. <laughs> but I've already rolled my, my four-wheel drive truck. Well, you've got two legs, don't you? So, <laughs> yes, the great, the great snow dusting. I guess you missed the memo on the whole Texas is shut down. No, I, I, I know, I, I know what you, you're. I know what you're talking. You're not talking about the dusting. I mean, legitimate. You know, your guys is like power grid effectively failed you. So yeah, and all those naysayers are like, see, Texas can't handle being being independent. And I say, watch us. We'll secede eventually. We'll become our own republic again. Why is the nation's defrosters just gone? There's no defrosters anywhere. <laughs> you just have te- like a little 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 Texas like you know, hmm. shape shape thing twiddling his mustache. Hmm. I don't know what happened to all the defrosters and coolant. I don't know where it all went. It sure isn't in Texas. <laughs> Looks like all your wind turbines are running pretty good. Oh, yes, they are working just fine. (laughs) Oh, good grief. Yeah, yeah, Texas, we love love twirling our mustaches and our big trucks and stuff like that. (laughs) Speaking of which, we are, um, my wife and I, we are in the middle of a rewatch of um, one of our preferred shows. I don't know if you've seen it or not, David. It's on... um, so it airs originally on Paramount Network, but you can only stream it currently on Peacock, the Peacock app. And that's the show Yellowstone with uh, Kevin Costner and Luke Grimes and uh, Kelly Riley, folks like that. No, never heard of it. It's So I saw it. At, I, I, I kept seeing, you know, like the, the title card or, or the whatever it's called, like the cover art. Mm-hmm. Um different places and I'm like what is this is like a like a story of like how the Yellowstone National Park was was made or or something like that like I kept like wondering and um, I'm like well let's let's check it out and uh, you're able to like stream the first episode I think for free on Peacock because that was the only place you could watch it and we didn't have I don't think we had Paramount Network at the time which is weird you'd think it'd be on Paramount Plus but anyway it wasn't yeah. <laughs> and uh dude, it's like it's like crazy drama. It's like a I think it's called like a neo western is technically how it's like categorized. Um so it's not like your bonanzas, your gun smokes that like our parents or grandparents might have watched back in the day. I mean it's there's like some crazy drama and I love it. Anyway, season four comes out here pretty soon and uh, we've been re rewatching it just to get 
caught up and I'm like, man, I knew there was a reason I liked this show. So I'm, I'm so ready for, for season four to drop and, uh, probably going to have to pay for like a YouTube TV or a Hulu live or something like that to be able to watch it. Yeah, that is, that does kind of stink. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm really bad about new TV. I know everybody's, you know, they're squid gaming and whatever. I don't, I don't really, I don't want to watch it to be honest with you. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Hey, Kevin Costner's pretty good. Yeah. And it was, it was actually during the time that we were watching it the first time, um, like late summer, something like that. Uh, we, the first time we watched it, I was like, you know, I've never seen field of dreams and field of dreams was on, on Peacock. So I'm like, let's check it out. And I'm like, this is a pretty good movie. Pretty good. I'm like 20, 30 years late to it, but yeah, that's a heck of a movie. Not, not to have watched. I mean, did you watch Bull Durham? Mm-mm. Oh, God. I know. I know. <sighs> this is why I'm your boring friend. I mean, you haven't <laughs> seen, like, one of probably 20 of Kevin Costner's baseball-themed movies? <laughs> Bull Look. Durham and, and, then, and then The Rookie. No, no, not The Rookie. Uh, crap, I can't remember what that was called. The rookie was Dennis Quaid, uh, and I—they're like the same guy. Dennis Quaid and Kevin Costner are the same guy, but no, it was—he uh, was like a pitcher for the Tigers at the end of his career. It, it, it had John C. Riley in it. I don't know. I can't remember hmm. what the heck that was called. It's a good movie as well. I so watched The Guardian with him and uh, Ashton Kutcher. No, you chose unwisely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Grail Knight. Whatever you say. I mean, <laughs> just really unwise choice there. Oh, good grief. Eventually, I'm going to watch uh, 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 Dances with Wolves. Mm, yeah, Dances with Wolves is good. Long movie. And uh, there's one movie I still haven't seen. Not not Kevin Costner, unless he makes like a freaking cameo that I don't know about, and that's uh, Last of the Mohicans. La- yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis. That yeah. amazing score... Probably one of my favorite just general pieces of movie music. Uh, yeah, that's a really that's a really amazing movie. Very good stuff. I've I think I've listened to the Last of the Mohicans score way too many times without having ever seen the movie. <laughs> Which yeah. I'll, I'll say this I'll say this one last little tangent. Like that's actually how I got into playing one of the games um, on PlayStation. So I had been listening to, um, what was it? Skyrim, um, accidentally, like listening to like the Skyrim soundtrack, having never played it. Like it just came across like my Spotify and I'm like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. I love it though. Let's keep listening. And I ended up going to um, the store, picking up a copy and playing the game and wasting so much time. Oh, yeah. Huge game. Great game. Good good uh, sound soundtrack maybe one day they'll make another one doubtful but we'll see <laughs> I mean that that game is is I mean what was that like 2010 11 something like 2011. that yeah it's it's not a new game no it's not it's a good great game it still holds up too and you can get like the 10,000 HD definitive PS5 
definitive edition HD, you know, you get good stuff. Yeah. If I ever get the PS5, if they ever get back in stock, I'm definitely going to continue buying like the uh, the uh, Uncharted collection. They just they came out with like a thief. There's going to be like a Thieves Legacy, and it's going to have um, all five Uncharted games, and I'm I'm here for that. But um, gotcha. I don't have time. I don't have time to play PS5 right now. Like I have barely time to like take a shower for crying out loud. But I somehow find time to do it. Yeah, I don't play games much anymore. Dang, being in our 30s. Dang, being in our 30s. Well, all right. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to our rambles. That's the show for today. Um, I, well, I guess maybe not. We got to talk about this book. Um, so this is a spoiler warning right now. Uh, we're going. Uh, there's going to be some light to moderate spoiling, spoilery things in our discussion today. So if you haven't read the book um, that we're talking about today or listened to the audiobook, um, go check it out. Go go read it. Go listen to it, whatever you prefer, and then come back and listen to the rest of our discussion. If you don't really care, that's cool too. Keep on listening because we're going to have some fun talking about this. So uh, if the title of this episode didn't give it away, we're going to be talking about um, the first book in the uh, Star Trek Coda series called Moments Asunder. It's by Dayton Ward, and uh, this is a um, a different book of sorts, and um, in the sense that this book brings together twenty years of Star Trek um, literature um, into a, effectively a conclusion to twenty years of storytelling, um, and there's. There's a couple. Th- there's a couple things I want to maybe talk about. Um, it's going to seem like we're going off the reservation a little bit, um, but there is a purpose to, to having some of this discussion. Um, and David has no idea where I'm going with this. I don't think. But um, the everything that so so up until recently, uh, um, like the last I don't know three, four, five years thereabouts, we've. Um, prior to that, we didn't have any new uh, Star Trek content that was coming out. The last um, canon Star Trek that we had was Star Trek Nemesis, and then these books were written. The, this twenty years worth of stuff, effectively, uh, was written to, you know, keep keep Star Trek alive, to like you know carry the torch, fan the flame, um, in the fandom essentially. And that was sounds, pretty. Sounds oddly familiar. Chase. I was about to say. That's effectively like what was happening with Star Wars. Copying. <laughs> and, you know, for a long... And look, look, I got I got plenty of... Well, I don't have anywhere near as many as David, but I do have, like, um, at least a dozen Star Wars books on my bookshelf um, to the right of me right now. Um, but that was, like, effectively what was happening with Star Wars. Um, you had, like... You, I think you've described it as, uh, what, the Wild West... Essentially, with yeah. uh, with books mm-hmm. and storytelling. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I mean, it, it was just whatever everybody wants to do, and then sometimes you come together. And, but it, yeah, it was just it was wild. Okay. And um, it's it's actually in the um, I think it's the afterword or or something like that where it actually talks about um, 
the the whole legends thing of Star Wars in this book actually. Um, so I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm jumping around with this right now, but um, they didn't want so the author of this book and also the authors of the series didn't want to do Star Trek fans dirty um, in the same way that maybe Star Wars fans were treated with um, like decanonizing everything because like wasn't that I think that that's what the case was right David like everything that was written was considered extended universe and canon up until Disney acquisition basically yeah, every everything book-wise pre pre Disney acquisition was was struck, and then they started their own canon. And that, I mean, there there's still some stuff that is considered canon by most people, but it hasn't necessarily been brought in by Disney. But it's like, yeah, we we're not gonna touch that, like Old Republic and stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, yeah, that's basically the story. So this this book, um, like I said, this book, this series, um, when the authors were first approached uh, by this, they knew that they had to that, they, that because Star Trek was back on the air, that it was going to start, you know, basically telling canon stories once again. That they wanted to put like try and put a bow on it. So that's what this book is. This book and this book series is essentially trying to do. Now, here's here's the thing. Full disclosure, um, I have not read most of these books that were were listed um, off in the beginning. So you have on here previously, much like some of the other books that we've uh, read that we've covered, where it's it's trying to tell you like what happened or where we are in the timeline type of thing, and this lists off like like close to like 20 30 some odd books like it's it's a lot of books they're listing off um did that and in this not not to not to not to you know ruin your thunder here but like at the beginning of this book and then even the end of it did it get a little annoying to you like when we're just listing uh, actually hold on did you do the audiobook or did you read it both, both. I, I, I listened okay. more than I read, but yeah, both. Okay, so the, I mean, the audiobook starts with like all this quotation and all this stuff. It's like mm-hmm. I found myself really bored by that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it went on a little too long. I don't want to nitpick, but well, no, like no, the previously, like, because like I I hadn't um, read like the previously, like I didn't like read the actual beginning of this book so when they're like listing off all these events from 20 years worth of books I'm like what (laughs) it was it was like deer deer in the headlights kind of kind of thing man yeah Uh, it was a lot a lot a lot of of information Um, so here's the thing like the way that they set this up it and I think you'll be able to understand, and I think most of the audience that listens will be able to understand and hopefully appreciate this going into this story. I think this is um, a parallel that's that's perhaps important to bring up to an extent, and that is this. It to me, this book starts out a lot like the uh, the 2005 um, reboot of sorts of Doctor Who, 
to me. Um, and what I mean by that is the that that series premiere with the Ninth Doctor played by Christopher Eccleston and uh, Rose Tyler played by Billy Piper. It brought it brought an old story to a new audience, and it didn't require the new audience to know a lick about the 23 years that it had been on the air prior to be able to enjoy and appreciate it. And just saying these things in the beginning, the previously, and just like how it started, like it starts off with Wesley. Okay. Like, so Wesley's in this and, um, like everyone knows Wesley, shut up, Wesley. Everyone knows about shut up, Wesley for crying out loud. Even grandma's out there know about shut up, Wesley. Um, (laughs) So it was very, to me, this was very accessible. I like how this started out. It was, I just kept thinking like, this is Doctor Who 2005 to me. Um, And I'm wondering if you, maybe you had like, whether it was like Doctor Who that you were thinking of or not, uh, I'm wondering if you had like a similar opinion to um, how it started. If not, that's cool too. No, but I I will say this. I had a weird idea in my head when when you suggested the book. Uh, for some reason, I thought we were gonna like get a story about like a new experimental ship called Coda. <laughs> so, all right. all right. So the entire line of this was just completely off. I I don't know why I talked myself into this this little idea that I had. You know, like maybe we'd get some new characters and just like a cool new little ship zooming around doing things. Uh, but no, no, I, I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily uh, think about it in that with that reference because I mean, I, I have, I have little experience in in a lot of the the Trek books aside from kind of what we've done on the on the podcast. I mean, the whole 20 years thing is, is interesting. Um, and I'll say this. I, I think, uh, can you get into this book without any prior knowledge? Yeah, probably. But if you do have prior knowledge, uh, I honestly think it, it, it felt a little dumbed down. I don't want to say dumbed down. Uh, predictable. That's what I used earlier. It became predictable to me, knowing all I know from like all the shows, and that's that's the only thing that I would say. I, I think uh, I think you'll you'll kind of have a couple of different people. You have the people who maybe don't know anything about Star Trek, but then I don't really understand how they're being targeted. But okay, say we have a whole contingent of people who've never watched Star Trek. Yeah, I think the book's easy enough to get into for them. Experienced Star Trekkers might fall into the two categories of like me thinking it's a little predictable or oh look at how much Star Trek they shoved into Star Trek (laughs) oh man it's just like Discovery and Lower Decks they just shove so much Star Trek in here I love it beam me up I'm going to somehow isolate that clip beam me up I'm gonna just like start reusing the heck out of that you just wait well did, did I, tangent time that when um, when the newer Chris Piney Star Trek's came out the, the first movie I went to the theater to see it 
and there was a I don't know kind of older older guy and uh, he had some big old glasses on but he had a uh, like an old not a new but an older beam me up Scotty t-shirt on it's like that that guy's a cool guy enjoy your lens flares <laughs> Oh, Chris Pine. Oh, Chris Pine. Yeah, the I didn't really know what to think at first. Um, apart from like, I knew that there was. I, I knew for like from some of the things I had read on like Reddit, things that were popping up on Twitter, other places popping up on on the Google that we were going to have some semblance of time travely something going on which i know how much you love time travel by the way i hate i mean yeah i i've i've always hated the idea not not necessarily of time travel but time paradox i don't like time paradox because it makes things seem so hopeless because at that point your paradox usually becomes that there's already a future there's obviously already a past and then branch out of everything. Mm-hmm. So you are already locked on and there's nothing you can do about it. And I don't like to think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I'm sure you absolutely loved, 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 loved uh, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame for that very reason. Uh, well, I mean, they were... They were fine. Okay. So, with how much Marvel can we shove in a Marvel movie? <laughs> All of it. <laughs> All right. So this this particular book, we this okay. First off, this the story itself um, and everything that's happening in this book can get uh, to bring some more Doctor Who into it. Very wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Um, you can kind of stumble over yourself in terms of talking about this. Um, there are, this book is bringing, essentially bringing multiple realities to the forefront um, and trying to uh, do stuff with it. So whether it's the, um, essentially like the prime timeline, right, that we, we see on screen, essentially. Is it though? Hold on, I'm going somewhere with this. Whether it's that, or it's the timeline that we're seeing in the book, or these other timelines, just like, there's like, it's, it's freaking string theory, dude. Like, there are like so many realities, like, converging at the same time, you don't know which one's which. That's my point. Well, that, yeah, and that was actually when we kind of got to that sort of talking about, you know, the the timeline as a tree, and and you have this, this central central nervous timeline. I mean, is that what we consider the shows? Is that prime universe or, or prime timeline or whatever? Prime time, you know, just dance in the end zone. This is the this is the one. I mean, I would say so. Because like, OK, I mean, I know people don't like some people don't want to talk about it, but freaking Kelvin. I mean, Kelvin is like split <laughs> like off of like the prime timeline where it's its own thing but it has like its own origin point where it doesn't affect the future it just creates its own separate string so yay 
we're gonna we're gonna have some fun talking about some quantum reality physicsy stuff. Big words. I, I I will say this though, just just as sort of like an aside for some of it. I almost feel like this is something that maybe Eric could enjoy because there was so much discussion. Like there became a lot of discussion in the book about how to deal with the particular problems. So it felt like a lot of boardroom meetings, which I know is something that he's always enjoyed, you know, in the show and everything and what we've, you know, all had the complaints about in some mm-hmm. of the newer shows. So, mm-hmm. But I, I actually thought it was... Um, from that standpoint, it did feel far more scientific than other things we've read or watched. So I'll give it that. Yeah. Yeah. So in this particular, so in the, the reality, the, uh, I'm going to do air quotes, prime reality of the book. Okay. Um, we have Picard married to Crusher, which isn't going to surprise anyone that's read the books uh, up to this point. But for anyone that's never read the books, you're like, wait, what? And not only that, not only that, but they got a kid. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Renee Renee. Snape Dumbledore, uh, you know, (laughs) Albus Cerberus. Yeah, we get it. (laughs) We get you want to memorialize every single person. What was it? Is it Renee, Renee Jack Russo, I don't know what it was. Rene, I can't his brother's name. Rene Robert Jacques Picard, right? Is that what it was? That sounds right. I mean, as long as it's French sounding. Right. Rene My for name his nephew. Was Jack. I'll never let you go, Jack. Never let you go. Every time I think about Picard and Beverly, I, I picture that. that uh, the scene in I, I want to say it was it was the naked now and he he just he does that little it, it's almost like it was a mistake like a blooper was like oh, oh Beverly you know <laughs> they're just all drunk with each other it's like this can't have been in the show and it, it is it's like this is not a blooper it felt like a blooper you know or or that time in insurrection he's doing his little cha-cha dance and his I don't know I do love Patrick Stewart <laughs> I mean, I was thinking of like him showing up on the Olympic class ship when she's a captain and, you know, and all good things. I'm thinking of that too. Goodness. Oh, actually serious question here. How old is he? Okay. Um, because there was a quote where it's like, well, the 82 is the new 52 or something like that. So he, okay, hold on, hold on. He was born in, I know this, I know this. He was born in 2309. Because by the time um, Star Trek Picard comes out, um, he his character should be 90. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, that's how old he is. But, so how old is he in this book? Well, what was the year? Oh, hold on. I have the book. Come on, book. Tell me. This, I mean, is great, it, this is a great podcasting right here. It's details. All about the details. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Riker's already took it, taken Titan. So and this, we're talking. So this is at least 
Um, at least 2387. At least. So that means Brother Man is what? 78, 9 ish? At least? How old yeah. is Beverly? Never, we're never supposed to talk about a woman's age, man. I'm just saying. No, I just thought it was because it, I mean, she, there was a comment that Beverly made something about, I, I want to say like 80s, a new 50 or something like that. I was like, hold mm-hmm. on. So Picard's 80 now and he's still, a, he's still just a captain of the Enterprise and Admiral Rikers out there with the Titans still. I mean, what are we doing? What, mm-hmm. what are we doing? Right. <laughs> it makes so, sense to me. So this book, again, like, Dayton Ward, Jane, James Swallow, uh, David Mack, all the guys that were um, uh, the authors of this series. Um, I think all of them. Look at my bookshelf. I want to say. I think all of them. And, and someone's probably fact checking me right now. It's fine. But um, have written for the Star Trek Titan series, which. It, which we had, you and I had planned on reading, but then, um, that's right, yeah, and yeah. well, crap happened and stuff hit the yeah. fan, and that didn't happen for reasons. But it's in that series that I know at one point um, Riker is promoted to admiral, and his number one becomes captain of the Titan, but he makes the Titan be his flagship, basically. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 cool with that. I get it, but but like, why I is mean, Picard wh- still a captain and not an admiral? Some yeah, or other. Well, he he pulled like a Kirk or something like that. Did he did he fail to save space whales that time? I don't know. I mean, I just I thought it was like space bison, but I mean, it's fine. <laughs> There's a lot of space stuff. Now that was that was a little strange to me because of all the people mm-hmm. you. Or just I thought it was a mistake. I thought I misheard it when I was listening to it, and then it comes up again. It's like uh, I, I don't know that I care for that all that much. For some reason, it just it seemed a little off-putting. Right. But like, correct me if I'm wrong. But like, you know, we're talking about Riker for a second. Riker doesn't even pop up until like the last few pages of this book, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, there, there's like talk of him, but yeah, it, it, he's not really prevalent through through the book. Yeah, Riker, Riker's like pretty much like nobody in this book. It's just like hail or whatever, send a subspace message, something or another to Admiral Riker, tell him we need right. our help, and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. But... Okay, so some of the, the main characters in this book, of course, we have Captain Picard um, with the, the Enterprise E. So that's the ship that we're on in this. Uh, we have Worf as his number one. Yeah, that's, that's another... That was kind of another... I felt like that was odd, too, for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but again, like maybe, I, maybe I'm just... I'm not understanding what time we're in because the whole thing was uh, you know he was he was obviously on ds9 and i don't really i don't really remember 
sort of in it from a canon standpoint what all he did i mean i if i remember correctly there was wasn't there stuff about him going back to Klingon empire and doing stuff there but he's still just the first off again like i feel like a lot of time has passed because again i'm judging by admiral Riker. <laughs> But Worf's still a first officer. He's still a commander. Like, Jordy's still only the chief engineer on the Enterprise. Oh, but but with Jordy, though, good things have happened with him, though. He he actually, you know, has a lady that's actually going to stay with him. <laughs> he didn't strike out, bud. I mean, he, he was going to take her to the holodeck. And, I mean, you never know. His holodeck programs are hey, not baby. necessarily the greatest. Hey, baby. You want to go do some warp field theory with me? Oh yeah. <laughs> that 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 uh, one. Oh shoot. Who was who was the uh, hologram he created? Leah Brahms. Yeah, Leah Brahms just pops up and oh, Jordy, I'm so glad to see you. Who, who is, is that? that? <laughs> uh, yeah, it just it just sort of seems like time is standing oddly still in this book. Mm-hmm. But then, well, uh, well, uh, another character. So Esri Dax is also here too. That's right. Esri Dax is in her mid thirties. How old was she on DS Nine? Was she like a teenager? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, yeah, she did. She did move up the ranks pretty quick. I mean, she went from ship's counselor to now, or, or st- sorry, station counselor to now ship captain. Yeah, and and again, like I, that was another thing. It didn't bother me, but I I actually texted you before I finished. I was like, "How did Dax become a captain?" And then they they talk about it. She was the second officer, and both the first officer and the captain were killed aboard the the ship that she was on, which I don't remember the name of on the top of my head. But okay, that that's fine. I get it. Wartime, you. you get your captain's rank it's it's cool obviously uh, Dax experience has to play a part in there at some point absolutely but she was a counselor I mean she she was she was a counselor mm-hmm. and now she's in command like mm-hmm. I don't know that story like what brought what took her away from what was her profession and put her on command track I thought that was weird yeah, there there might be a few books in our future that we have to go back and read to probably um, <coughs> fill in the gap. Okay. <laughs> I know books. Who wants to read a book? Oh, oh. But yeah. Um. So yeah, Worf. Worf. Um. To answer your question, bud. Um. He became Klingon ambassador at at the conclusion of Deep Space Nine. In the but in the the lit- the literary trek land he rea- essentially reactivated his commission uh, with Starfleet and went went back to serving with Picard on the um, Enterprise E after I believe it was um, uh, was it Maddox I think was his name the guy that um, took over from Riker at the end of Nemesis in the, the deleted scene anyway I think he took over from him if I'm not mistaken I might be I don't really care and uh, in Dax, uh, we read more about her and her being the captain and all that stuff in the Star Trek Destiny trilogy, I want to say, um, which is where the, the Aventine uh, comes into play. Aventine, Aventine comes into play, the ship that she was serving on. Um, 
with this book, okay, so we have, we have, um, this, this particular story starts off like crazy, like, um, Wesley kind of being like chased around essentially, um, trying to escape something which we is like this mysterious enemy at the beginning of the book that we have no freaking clue about. And Wesley being the, um, super genius that he is has fashioned his own techno babbly device thingy to science explain to trek explain something away basically <laughs> and I'm, I'm here for it like that's cool cool get after it Wes fine um, and after a series of events um, things happen at different points and that's the only way I can really kind of explain that and he somehow ends up on the Enterprise with his mom and Beverly is kind of like super confused because she hasn't seen her son in like for freaking ever. Well, I mean, for the second time. Yeah, well. Again, this is wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff, Multiple people. Wesleys. There are, there are multiple Wesleys. Like, if if you've ever wanted to, to shut up Wesley, like, multiple times in the same place, this is the book for you, man. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, it, it kind of outlines a little bit more of what he is and, and the fact that linear time means nothing. And interestingly enough, though, interestingly enough, though, that God, that provides a lot of weird possibilities because the, the fact of the matter is he could just go back in his own timeline and be like, Wesley, hi, it's Wesley. Do this differently. And then it doesn't really, as long as he can get back to a prior point, he could change anything. That's true. I mean, legitimately, like there's, it's like literal unlimited power. You could just keep, keep going back. Mm-hmm. That's true. I'm trying to find the note right now. Um, yeah. So. The, one of the notes, um, it's in the beginning, so I'm not really spoiling anything. Wesley Crusher accompanies the traveler with whom he's been learning to grow and focus his emerging abilities to his mentor's home planet, Tau Alpha C. There he is, quote-unquote, reborn and becomes a traveler. Star Trek The Next Generation novel, A Time to Be Born. So, yeah, Wesley is essentially uh, a traveler now. He's been reborn as a traveler, which I got questions. Does he have, like... Instead of having five fingers, does he now have like three, like the traveler did? I mean, I, I'm just wondering. <laughs> did he? I mean, did this he is go, not a picture uh, book. Yeah, f- full metamorphosis. Right? <laughs> ah, what happened to my hands? Where are my thumbs? We use those. <laughs> I want my thumb. I want my thumb. It's How part of our evolutionary it? line. I need that thing. <laughs> um. Also interesting enough, with Worf being the uh, the the number one now, uh, which by the way, I just I feel dirty whenever that that's said to anyone but Will Riker. Like, well, by by Picard, I mean it would be fine if it were like Cisco or something, but right. But like anyway, it's just it's, uh, I'll be fine. So Worf's being considered for a command. Of the USS Prometheus. Yeah, uh, like finally. <laughs> well, if you remember, the, t- and again, the time is so annoying for me in this. 
I do not understand the time, like at all. It is it is crazy confusing for me. So it's like it's it's like at one moment Picard is you know 112 years old, and then the next moment he has like a six year old, and then the next moment like Worf is just like off on his first command like he's an 18 year old Klingon warrior. I do not understand the time. And, and Dax is, you know, once again, 14 years old, counseling Ben Sisko. I don't understand. <laughs> right. Well, the, here's the thing that I don't... I don't... Um, I, I guess I just... I'm not 100% on. Maybe you picked on it, p- picked up on it, and I didn't. But the Prometheus, right? Like, we've heard of the Prometheus before in Star Trek. Specifically, I think it was the episode Mes- Message in a Bottle of um, Star Trek Voyager where Andy Dick um, he guest stars as one of the newer versions of the um, emergency medical hologram and him and um, the doctor both have to save the Starfleet crew on this experimental vessel I ramble and I say all that because I'm wondering is this the same ship I mean they say the Prometheus that's what it was called in that episode is it the same ship yeah, I mean, I would, gosh, I would have to assume so, right? I mean, maybe. I mean, it's possible, I suppose. Which, Let's I gotta say, say like, that's a cool-looking ship. Like, I don't know if you've watched that episode recently, but, it's man, it's cool. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, he, get, he finally finally gets his, get, maybe, maybe a command. That's, yeah, that's actually a theme, though. Like, everybody is... It's almost like everybody's, at this point, we're talking about moving on. And there was even a part where, where Picard remembers back to, you know, the point at the end of Season 7 when he finally joins that card game, right? So he's like, oh, after all this time, I... I always kept everybody at arm's length, but now I play cards with them and we're all friends. But now all my friends are leaving again. Jordy's even got a girlfriend. What am I supposed to do, Beverly? <laughs> Was that your impression of Robert Petkoff doing an impression of Captain McCard? I mean, it was it was a really half-cocked attempt at something. I don't know what it was. I'll leave mm. that up to open interpretation. Well done. Well done. <laughs> so what, I mean, what happened, I guess what starts happening next is just like this kerfuffle of all these like um, temporal, not causality, but just like this temporal like breakdown of stuff. There's there's like these detections that Wesley's noticing that's like taking place like on like these various strings or like like right like with like quantum mechanics like these different strings in terms of string theory that are just collapsing on themselves which is becoming this um, major major issue with like this um, oh my gosh I'm forgetting the name of it uh, the temporal investigation department oh DTI Department of Te- uh, Temporal Investigations, right? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I it was I was close. I was close. Um, 
like we're we're getting like there's this concern about like we're destroying our future or we're destroying the past and soon enough we're not no no one's past present or future essentially is going to exist and like trying to essentially fight the inevitable or to borrow a line from the x-files fight the future yeah yeah we even get uh, uh what was i got uh, du- duquesne mm-hmm. and his little timey ship hey there is one question i want to ask serious serious question philosophical question oh is the guardian a fixed point in time or are there multiple versions of the guardian That's a good question. I like to think he's one fixed moment or just one fixed point in time, like an anchor. And it doesn't matter. He's just in all realities, but in also one reality. Huh. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, so, so we're, we're, we're going philosophical, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm it, it's based off of the minor spoiler that the, the guardian in this timeline was destroyed by these new bad guys. But does that mean the Guardian is gone everywhere or just in this one timeline? I mean, like what what's the what's the one argument like um there has to be like an uncaused first cause in order for things to exist type of thing. There has to be something that always has been in order for things to always be. I mean, the Guardian says he's his own beginning and his own ending. So, if if the Guardian, I'm about to like sound like a baby to like people to actually know this kind of crap, but if the Guardian occupies, if the Guardian forever occupies every moment in time and space simultaneously. And um, one um, air quotes presentation of him was destroyed. That shouldn't negate, like the guardian having always been and always will be, and occupying all of time and space at the same time. Does that make sense? Did I actually sound smart for a second there? No, yeah, I, I, I to, to, no, I totally get where, where you're, where you're kind of heading there, but again, I, I think um, the overall premise of the book, effectively, that I mean, and again, not to, not to do too spoilery, we are in effectively a diseased branch of time, and the whole point is, can we save it? That's the doom. Can we say it's not a ship people it is can we save this timeline or does potentially old Wesley have to go to another timeline and be like oh sorry guys you're all dead I gotta go but but again I, I almost think of the Guardian as like a center point that this this is the embodiment of time and space and if you destroy one you're you are destroying it because it's not just in multiple it it, it just is <laughs> you know mm-hmm. which to me makes it far more impactful when it was destroyed in the book um 
Because if, just for example, Wesley were to cross over to another timeline, and there's just a Guardian there, that doesn't really seem as impactful. I mean, would the Guardian be aware of one of its other selves being destroyed and be like, oh, I felt a little weird for a while, you know? I, I don't know. I, it's kind of a weird timey-wimey thing. Well, what's the... Um, oh, my gosh. I can't believe I'm forgetting this right now. Well, and the, the other thing, j just to add on to that, the other thing would be is that... So if our bad guys who are destroying these sort of focal points in time or, or time travel devices, or depending on how you view it, they would have to do it in all of the realities in order for it to make their plan be in motion. But that's the point though, right? Like that's the point. They are attacking multiple realities, not just a singular event of one True. one reality. True. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I get that. But I, I don't know. I like the idea of of them actually destroying centrally this thing instead of having to just like do it over and over and over again. But I I don't know I don't know that that's kind of a that's a thinker. See, this is why I guess we needed Eric on here since he's like the actual she, he is literally a physicist <laughs> and like he actually studied this crap. Okay. So that, that, I guess that's on us for, for not having him read the book with us. <laughs> Eric, we love you, man. <laughs> but, okay, in my, my very basic understanding of it, though, like, I get it. Like, you want the Guardian of Forever to be this, this tentpole, right? Because, like, it would, it would be the thing that would be supporting all the things, and it would be much more impactful. That's what you're saying. But yeah. what the, well, and the, but, but the other thing too is is because you have infinite infinite uh, uh, lines, infinite things that happen in a timeline. There could be the possibility that the guardian could win. So at that point, if in a timeline our bad guys go in and and they try and destroy him, but they're not successful, and say he beats them, then it negates the bad guy's plan because they are singular or at least so it seems mm -hmm. we're not dealing with multiple timelines of the we're just dealing with these these guys who live outside of normal time they don't they they view it like the travelers right so they're singular entities and that's why i think that the guardian's singular because again if you talk about infinite things that could happen multiple realities and all that there should be a reality potentially where the guardian would be able to win instead of being destroyed. There should be. I mean, kind of being a little lighthearted on this. I mean, we, we saw the freaking guardian forever, like turn into a door, break itself and then reform into its archway all over again in a recent episode of Star Trek discovery. So true. Is that what we want to say about Star Trek discovery? Okay. If all of Star Trek is existing right now however it exists then there is a reality where the Guardian Forever did win you see what I'm saying mm -hmm. it shows up on that snowy planet and it sends um, 
Michelle Yeoh back to the past. So she's integrating with herself again. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so dumb. Anyway. It's just so hard to let go. <laughs> I'm like, I'm fighting myself so hard right now from like, telling myself, no, we do not need to incorporate the Titanic soundtrack into this episode. <laughs> well, uh, but... I don't know. It... The thing that... I guess, like, the thing that's, like, I'm... I have trouble wrapping my head around, you know, partly with this discussion, but also partly with the content of this of this story is if there are so many, if there's a, a parallel reality upon a parallel reality of a parallel existence, you know, like there's, there's, I mean, this is like literally idic at its finest right now, infinite diversity, infinite combinations type of thing. We have, we have so many eventualities that are playing off of each other simultaneously that how do you keep it straight like how do we know that like reality a and reality b are like healthy branches or that reality z isn't going to be directly impacting reality f am i hurting anyone's well, brain yet because i feel like mine's kind of like about to blow up well not only that if you were just if you were to destroy the prime timeline would that then mean that due to effectively being the past of all of all other present timelines being destroyed would that mean that all time would cease well no because, because you, no you, no not necessarily because i mean my reality is prime for me but your reality is prime for you so who's to say but, which reality is actually prime well, but see, that's the thing is in the book, they mention literally the prime, mm -hmm. the, the prime timeline and all, all that I, you know, because the whole thing is that eventually our bad guys are going to try and go for the, the root for, for the actual main. But all that I'm thinking about is if the main timeline, which is what everything branches off of, if that were destroyed it is technically the past for everything because that's where it all started. So it's Marty McFly. If you kiss your mother and you cause yourself not to be born, then are you erased? Well, in the Back to the Future, yes. In this, would the other timelines have, I don't know, some root enough to survive past the destruction of their their center point i don't know mm -hmm. that i don't that's why i don't like thinking about it because it seems so hopeless <laughs> there's no control at all but with with these i get like i guess kind of like dialing it back a little bit as much as you as we're able to if we if we look at all the timelines that are essentially converging the ones that we we know about because they're actually happening to us, right? Like they're happening to Picard and company. They're happening to other Starfleet officers that we're acquainted with um, in the in the narrative of this story. That currently they are quote unquote safe, air quotes safe. Mm -hmm. The 
the the big bad of this story right now they're they're essentially just snacking on like the tendrils of this they're they're just they're snacking on like the the broccoli the the tomatoes the cucumbers they're not dealing with the salad they're just like they're not de- dealing with the romaine lettuce they're eating all the other stuff that goes into the salad right now um our romaine lettuce is fine at this point um is it is it too spoilery to say like who the the, the bad guys are? Just just go just go ahead. I mean, it, for again for me the the very first sighting, I guessed it. I guessed it immediately. So I I really like this just because this is like the bad guys were weird, like just straight up weird like the first time, but like they come from like my ab, one of my absolute favorite stories of Star Trek, and that's from. Um, the two-part episode times arrow one and two from uh was that season six i believe uh five six or is it six seven anyways doesn't matter um five six so the the davidians right i think you just like you're just like good old mark twain (laughs) (laughs) and samuel clemens to you (laughs) oh you're french well, that's very interesting. Sorry. <laughs> yes, the the Davidians, the the snake people, the glowy people that feed on the dying neural energy of sentient beings. So instead of like just you know uh, going one tic tac at a time, uh, like they they were doing, um, <laughs> they're just killing entire timelines to um, to feed on on the whole neural energy from that particular timeline and I was just like I was as I was uh, going through the story again like to, just to bring up another Doctor Who reference I was just thinking of the wire from the idiot's lantern oh, yeah yeah you know what I'm saying right. yeah there you go two two things to bring up here now that we've identified our bad people very bad one their idea is is that they are effectively making a bunch of neural energy refining storage centers <sighs> look I have no reference for neuro- neural energy okay I don't know what to do with that however I do know that in a very very small way let's talk about like solar energy Solar energy, oh, yeah, you, hey, uh, when you get your reverse mortgage, we'll go ahead and give you 15 <laughs> solar panels to power one marine battery that'll power your toothbrush. Um, harnessing the power of the sun is not necessarily the, the hardest thing to do, but actually keeping that energy is hard to do. Like, you don't, you can't store it forever. So the fact of the matter is, is that how are they, how are you supposed to store neural energy for the long term that they're basically i mean they're just the ultimate parasite and what happens when they when they literally run out because at the rate they're going it seems like they would run out pretty quickly because they're just greedy but okay Mm -hmm. let's say that they've stored it doesn't make a lot of sense to me however even based upon the minor bit that we got of the davidians in that two-parter this is the moral question. 
know Starfleet tries to be benevolent. We don't, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're evolved. We're, we're not killers. We're just, we're evolved people, all that good stuff. I would want to squash these people like a bug. They are straight parasites, and there is no way that they wouldn't come back to bite you in the butt. <laughs> well, I mean, if you remember um, in that two-part episode, uh, towards the end of, what was it, part two, whenever Picard's actually having a conversation with one of them and, like, trying to, you know, find some kind of common ground, like him being, like, the ever-perpetual diplomat that he is, um, negotiator, whatever, just doing all that, all the Picard stuff that he does. And they flat-out rejected him, like, no. No. Not going to happen. Like, they just straight up, like, they don't just turn him down. They give him the bird, basically, of, of turning him down in Star Trek form. And uh, so you would think that, again, timeline, that's already happened. And they reference that story, if I'm not mistaken, in this mm-hmm. book. Yep. Um, that they, The encounter that they had back in the, the 19th century with the Davidians. And you would think that they'd just be going like, you know, let's set phase, let's set, don't set phasers to stun, baby. No, 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 no. Let's, let's get after it. But instead, they're still trying to do the Star Trek thing of trying to well, find yeah, common the, ground. Yeah, it doesn't, D- I mean. DTI is like, we've totally been watching them. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah, we got them under surveillance. <laughs> we, we live out of space and time, you fools. <laughs> it, uh, yeah very very odd I don't think it was explained though how how did they develop I mean well the scary part is is that they touch you you instantly age and die and that and their larger ophidian now called nagas nagas yeah but how how did how does that come about a little superpower. I'm not too sure about that, but we do know that um, someone very close to, and I'm going to leave this alone, make the people read for this one, that um, someone very, very close to Picard is impacted um, and essentially their life is stolen from them. And that's what we call a tease, everyone. Go read the book. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And was it, did you get, get confused at all? Like about like the Naga thing? Like, did you have to like go back and like listen to that or read it? Cause like I did. And if I did, I'm sure there has to be at least one reader out there that got confused. Like with the Naga thing at some point. Um, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, in, in the, in the original episode, it, it was, it was a small little cane basically it was right i mean it was called no, the in, uh, like a fit an ophidian, ophidian in in the in the show but like right. the naga thing that that got confusing for me because i'm like what the heck is that naga yeah i mean they're, they're just giant multi-dimensional space worms that i mm-hmm. mean the the davidians i don't know they're like their dogs do they like pet them <laughs> like a targ naga 
Good, Naga. You have done well. You destroyed everyone. I want Very freaking nice. sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their head. Did you bring me their neural energy? Oh, very good. Mm, that's tasty. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Did we oh, just and go the newspaper. Oh, this is great. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I... I don't know. I will say that they're almost a little too overpowered. You think they're OP for sure? Well, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, part isn't part of Star Trek sort of overcoming OP enemies. And granted, this is like book one, but still, they they were really overpowered. It, yeah, and and even with uh, with Time Zero, I mean, you, granted, we only saw the the Davidian couple, right, or the whatever they were, yeah, and they were having to be pretty like sneaky, uh, getting around. Um, going after people in like the hospital, like going after like drunks in the street type of thing, and I mean, I I can kind of I can definitely see the OP thing, but I still see them doing like the the sneaky sneak kind of stuff that they were doing in Time Zero. Um, yeah, they're not sneaking into hospitals. They're not going down San Francisco alleyways. Instead, they're going down time stream alleyways. Um, but so it's just going down. It's, it's it's just doing 19th century on a much more grander scale, which is what makes it that much more terrifying in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I don't know, like in. With, with how things progress with the Davidians, with the Naga, um, with Picard and company. Um, in fact, like, like I think like the main Starfleet folks um, that we really interact with is mainly like um, Esri and the Aventine and Picard, Worf, Beverly and Wes essentially is like really what it boils down to. Well, we have, uh, I mean, there, there were a couple of like the minor sort of minor characters that, I mean, they didn't have a lot of time, but, uh, actually I, I did want to mention, or I was, I was trying to, I was trying to figure out the name because I, I, you know, I'm, there were a lot of names in here. There were, but she wasn't, uh, was her was her last name Chen or something like that? She mm -hmm. was the, the half uh, half Vulcan. Um, oh, shoot, what was her name? I probably never. <laughs> anyway. Oh, we also there, there's also Turek. Yeah, he's he's back. That was fun for. <clears throat> minimal amount of time but anyway so our, our, our half Vulcan friend here I felt like they were going to do something with her because when, when Turek and, and I, it was strange because I didn't even realize that he, he died it just was like oh yeah he's dead oh, okay so I pro it was probably me I missed it but they have this whole thing where she's like trying to look for anything that he might have sent because he had future knowledge mm -hmm. from another mission finding a future ship so he had future knowledge 
And then, uh, again, sort of minor spoiler, because it's a minor character, they just killed her off. Yeah. You know, they, they just killed her off. And that seemed like a waste. And I'll tell you, as an overarching thing here, um, there was too much death, uh, and it made me intensely suspicious. Intensely in, in suspicious. In what ways? It made it in the way that I don't think this book matters in the grand scheme of things. I think we're going to get a, a reset in another timeline. Hmm. Like, I don't think anything here is going to matter in the long term. All the people that that died during this will be back in another timeline. Hmm. I don't think that this timeline can be saved. I think it's just another step for Wesley to learn and maybe pass on to his another past self. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. So you're thinking this is like a cause and effect kind of thing. Like Yeah. Like where well, data, uh, like data uh, has to like make the right decision yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed examples of 3 mm-hmm. like a lot. <laughs> There's Bro. so many 3s. Like freaking bro, there's so many threes around here. <laughs> good episode though. I did like that episode. That's a good episode. What it was called, but it's a good episode. But no, I mean, literally, I I feel like it was it was almost it was almost too gratuitous because like we meet um, we just meet random people, you know, who take positions. Uh, uh, there are a few names uh, that cruise in and Elfiki. I mean, just some of these people we meet, and then they're they're gone in a blink, and it's like, but I don't think they're gone because mm-hmm. I don't think we're done. I think we're gonna have a reset. I don't know. I just feel like that's what's gonna happen. Sure. Well, I've, I mean, at the time of this recording, I've already read the second book, so I already know what's gonna happen in the second book, but I haven't read the third one because it hasn't come out yet. Not gonna say anything. Oh no. But um, uh, I mean, apart from, apart from that, I mean, we had like a Denobulan doctor who's uh, one of the assistant mm-hmm. chief uh, medical officers with uh, uh, the Enterprise. So I mean, that, that's that's cool. Chen, too. that was her name. There we go. I found it. Yeah, Doctor uh, Trop is the uh, um, he was the Denobulan. Cool. Yeah, I liked him. I liked his characterization for sure. I mean, oh hey, you you, you want to know another thing that supports my reset theory? Let's go. Worf. Worf, okay. Worf's gonna do some time jumping. Yeah. Oh All yeah. Right. He's seeing battles in his dreams, man. Different realities. I mean, which again relates back. He's he uh, to another TNG episode. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm. Eric, tell us what it is. Like we can't hear you, but just tell us, Eric. That was yeah. That was that was a good episode. Yeah. Every time he was around Jordy, he fainted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know, man. I'm, I want to see some wharf time jumping. I want to finally see a book that's like majority wharf. <laughs> like, can we put him on the cover and just like make it about wharf and actually have a, have a wharf story for Pete's sake? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, Simon Tarsus is in this too. 
who was in oh, the, uh, yeah, that's right. Drumhead, yeah. right? Who uh, yeah, hit that his was, parentage. That was kind of a neat little cameo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was cool, too. And then we have um, Ensign uh, Rager, who's in it, too. Um, who are some other ones? Um, Duquesne, who was uh, part of the Relativity uh, personnel. Yep. Um, we had like a little bit of, of a name drop in the form of um, Dr. Pulaski showing up. Like a little name drop of, of uh, Dr. Pulaski in this story. How about that? Oh, dang. Yeah, I, don't, I don't remember that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. A little bit of a name drop of um, Tom Paris and um, Bellana. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, they did make a brief appearance, didn't they? Mm hmm. That was fun. So, anyway, um, yeah, there's, there's a death that that takes place um well among others but like a very significant death um should we spoil that or no i mean uh, i i will i'm down to spoil everything of course you are you decide on what we spoil. so for all you um all you people that think it's still too soon for for uh jadzia to die she dies again Permadeath, like Dax yeah. is done. There is no more Dax. Permadeath. So, Esri's dead. Jadzia's dead. All the Daxes are dead. All the memories of the Daxes are dead now. Um, at the end of this book. So, um, I'm telling you, I think it's gratuitous. I think it's too much. It's just too much, man. The reset. The Great Reset's coming. All right. You ready for it? <laughs> Look, man, if I if I ever wrote this book, hey, I wrote this book in another timeline according to this book. So yeah, I did hit the reset button in another timeline, in another in our li lifetime. Good old string theory, love it. I mean, I'm not David Mack or Dayton Warder or anyone. Dream swallow. So um, anyway, I I enjoyed this book. Um, I know we're we're probably glossing over a lot of stuff lot of stuff but i mean a lot well, but not I mean, so much at the same we? time like this whole like the whole book was a lot of um and i don't want to minimize it because this is a good story as far as i'm concerned um a lot of reacting is really what this this yes. book boiled down to a lot of reacting to stuff yeah and yeah, de definitely and I'm, i guess i'm going to kind of like roll into like my rating discussion for the most part um this was probably one of the most visual star trek books that um i think we've read together i could see this like i don't i don't get this i haven't gotten it very often with the books that we've read so far this was one that i felt like i was watching an episode of star trek the next generation or star trek the whatever it was this was such a visual book it was it was such a um uh, uh, it, it was just a satisfying story and i remember reading it listening to it and finishing it i'm like holy crap i gotta read that book again um i just i just enjoyed the freaking mess out of this book was it perfect no were there parts where i was very very confused 
yeah um did i enjoy it you're darn right i did so i'm gonna be pretty generous with this story um i'm not gonna hide that that i like this book that i love this book um it's not gonna be a five for me but it's going to be like a four five four six for me i really like this book it was a good story Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree. I think it was written really well. I, I also agree that it, yeah, certainly a very visual, visual book, very impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't like time stories uh, most of the time. There are a couple that I do like, and you know, again, it, it just it boils down to sometimes it just feels a little too hopeless. Uh, which I mean, it, it's always kind of a an undertone in Trek, uh, 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 an undertone of hopelessness where, you know, many people have stripped away um, religion uh, in in lieu of something. I mean, we even had the episode where it basically contended that all life in this quadrant was seeded by a certain species and that was creation effectively mm-hmm. which uh, you know again it, it's it that would that'd be kind of hard to take because again we're not alive for very long when you no. think about it right where it's it's a blink of an eye and and the fact that you know there's no sort of peace in a potential afterlife and it all just blinks out that's uh, that's that's pretty scary honestly in a lot of ways and time time stories do that to me uh, at times because again it's just it's uh, it's just a potential hopelessness there but um overall i I, it wasn't it wasn't done poorly it was definitely you know made me think about a few things which was fun um the only the only complaint i have is it it just felt too predictable and it felt overly gratuitous at some points which one makes me think that there will be a reset there will be another timeline that we'll jump into there'll be another picard heck maybe this picard's only 60 and you know he he doesn't have a kid i don't know i mean maybe maybe everything's right with the universe who knows maybe we'll get ben cisco that'd be pretty sweet just to see old cisco show up i'd like to see that um but but again i guess the 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 davidians as soon as they came up uh just minor minor things I, I i wanted to think more about or I, I wanted the plot to come a little bit more i wanted to fight more for the plot i like to fight for plots sure. i like to i really don't want to be led i i just i don't want to guess it i just want to be in the story but it, it was an interesting story um and i i like housekeeping stuff you know like oh Teresa Chen's going off and Jordy's going to Mars and Worf's getting a ship. I like that housekeeping stuff. I always have. I enjoy it, uh, which is usually the start of most books. You know, you have a lot of that stuff. I, I just enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, I, I don't know if I can go quite as high as you did on the rating. Sure. Uh, but it's still a good book uh, overall. I'm I'm probably somewhere in the range. I I, I want to say we were out of five for this, right? Right, out of five, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, 
I should know that, but I always got to ask. I, I would probably, you know, put it at like a 4.4. Okay, 4.4. I mean, we're in the same ballpark. Yeah, same ballpark. I'm I'm not gonna go crazy low. It was a good book. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's it's just not it's not like perfect. Yeah, yeah, and like and I think as as much as um, you say you don't like time travel stories, which is totally fine, and even like with the rating that you give it, I think like our ratings of four four and four six, um, I think that that kind of speaks to it even being able to have like reread value too. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like this is the kind of story I think that not only would you want to, but you probably need to read again just because like as much as I, I said like their reaction, they're reacting like throughout most of the book. There's so many details um, that you just kind of miss that you don't get the first time you read through it. And there, there's just so much happening. So, um, has has there yeah. been a recent book that we went over that you've really wanted to reread again? Honestly, uh, Living Memory, I really enjoyed the heck out of. But I want to have more yeah. distance from that. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But like, that's it. I mean, I mean, maybe returning to like a, a like a Shatner book just because like. It's Shatner. Why not? Let's read some Shat. <laughs> but but no, I mean no, nothing else beside that. Uh, has, has there been anything for you that you'd want you've wanted to reread? Uh, I mean, I think I agree with Living Memory. Uh, yeah, it's a tough one. I, I think I think it's basically just Living Memory. I don't remember what I rated the Rios book, but I kind of that kind of grew on me a little bit more. I, I mean, I might like way down the road, maybe think about rereading that, but yeah, that's, that's about it. Dark Vale is like, I really enjoyed it, but like it was, I don't know. The pacing was just kind of weird at times. Like, I don't know if I could go back and read yeah. that one right now. Um, it was a good book. I remember giving it a good rating too, but anyway, well, before we, we get out of here. Um, you know me, David. I got I got a poll that I did. So let's 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 talk about a little bit of of a Twitter poll. Um, I put one up uh, not too long ago, and uh, you you might appreciate this. I have no idea if you voted or not. Uh, poll closed um, a couple days ago uh, or a day ago, whatever it was. And uh, the question was, which Vulcan would you like to see more of in Star Trek? And the choices were T'Pol or Tuvok. I mean, is that even a choice? I mean, it was it was kind of it was, it was neck and neck for a little bit. So. Um, I don't know if you voted. If you did, cool. But who would you vote for between the two? Not 100% to Paul. Okay. So for her, for this one, uh, 58.3% of the vote went to Paul. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, 41.7% went to Tupac. Hmm. Uh, uh, that's, yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah. 
Um, I didn't get any comments on this, um, which is fine. But yeah, I mean, there were there were people that I mean, I I remember watching it like in real time, like it posted, and I saw like it go 100% to Paul. I saw it like then it went like 50-50 to Paul Tuvok, and it was like 60-40, and it was just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and I'm like. And I, I, I came back um, like a day or two later, and it was just like sitting right there, um, almost at 50-50. So anyway, there you go. I don't know. I wonder what the next... Um, maybe maybe the next poll is which book do you want us to like cover again or reread again? Yeah, there you go. Well, I guess we need like choices, right? Like, would we do like this one will we do like living memory and then like will we need like one or two more or or will we just like leave it at, the, at those two what do you think i actually have to go back and even think about what all we've what all we've read actually getting into my little library thing here to see what all we even went through yeah there was that discovery book imzadi Mm-hmm. Avenger, The Return. Those were Shatner's Ashes of Eden. That's right. The Picard book. Uh, which one was this? All the Last Best Hope. Yep. That had been a while ago. That was a long time ago, bro. Yeah. Very long time ago. Yeah, so there've been there've been a couple. Certainly been a few in there. I know Usually living memory still holds up though. I know which one I don't want to read again. Wonderland. So let's leave that one alone, please. You know, it's it's actually probably good that I don't really remember that one all that much anymore. If that's uh, someone's favorite book, cool man, get after it. Oh, was that her long year? Yes. Yeah, the longest year ever. That's what it was. Yeah, where the or there's rapid hair growth. <laughs> Stimulate the hair, the hair follicles. That's right, man. I mean, I why not? Let's do it. All right, good grief. All right, enough of that. Enough of that. Everyone, um, what do you what do y'all think of of this book? If you've read it, did you like it? Um, was this your your absolute favorite Star Trek book ever? Um, if you have read the other 20 years worth of books, were you happy with the start of the end with this? I've been hearing how this is like setting up a Avengers Infinity War Endgame-esque type story. Uh, whether it's as epic as freaking Captain America wielding Mjolnir, I don't know. We haven't gotten to the end yet. Um, or if it even will be that way. But if you have read it, uh, if you've read the, the 20 years worth of books leading up to this, would love to hear how any of this makes sense because we have no idea. I'm just kidding. If you enjoyed it, let us know. Uh, if you didn't, let us know too. Um, apart from that, uh, if you want to get in contact with us to tell us that stuff or to share a show idea, whatever it might be, check out trtvpod.com under our Hailing Frequencies tab. You can fill out a little boxy box right there and tell us what's up and uh, share your thoughts there. Um, you can also find ways to support the show either by telling your friends, by um, becoming a, a financial supporter on Patreon. 
a couple different tiers for you. And there was recently some um, some patron specific content that came out um, recently. So um, check it out. I don't know how. Eh, yeah, you might like it. You might like it. We'll see. Um, other than that, if you do want to just like send us an email, just straight up. If you want to be, if you want to do that, just enter in trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. There's a three-minute limit before the uh, warp core breaches and everything blows up and timelines go all over the place, so make it quick. Um, one other thing I did forget, though, if you do want to uh, you know, n- know when a new episode comes, hit the bell. Um, on whatever you listen to, like Spotify, I just noticed these stupid bells. Hit the bell so you're notified of like new episodes, or you know Apple Podcasts or you know Audible, Amazon Music, whatever floats your boat. Get after it. Finally, if you do want to mail us something, by the way, you know like a naga to uh, you know eat someone else's brain, we would love that. That'd be fantastic. It'd be creepy, but we would love that. Make sure it gets to the Lone Star Station, PO Box two four five five, Azel, Texas seven six zero nine eight. Everyone, as we leave here today, may you always, always, always remember to boldly go and make it so.